Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit, and we're coming to you live here on Selection Sunday after a dramatic day, both for the Big Ten and the nation. Um, Wrapped up a few conference tournaments today, including the Big Ten tournament where Illinois and Ohio State squared off in a a pretty remarkable afternoon uh, matchup where the game ended in overtime, pretty dramatic fashion. But as well, we got the release of the 2021 NCAA tournament bracket lot to dive into so i won't go too long on the intro but we have kevin knight here to help us break things down he's a writer for bt powerhouse as well as sb nations michigan state and nebraska sites so uh plenty to get into kevin how's it going and uh jump in first reactions here on on all the craziness of this week and certainly today well, first off, I, I feel like I'm contractually obligated to say Bo Borowski is a national disgrace and needs to be fired. <laughs> I just, I, I got, somebody's got to say it, right? You know, I mean. Hashtag Big Ten refs every yeah. year, every year. It's just, uh, it's it's a tough life, but. Yeah, it's TV Teddy first and, and now Borowski. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was an interesting week of games. Um, I, I, I think not uh, super surprising how it played out for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, Illinois, Ohio State, great game. Um, interesting path. I mean, can Ohio State figure out how to finish a game in the closing minutes of, of a half and not either collapse and lose or collapse and just barely escape with a win? I mean, come on. I, yeah, I mean, talk about the uh, what are they? They always call Northwestern cardiac cats. Uh, I don't cardiac Buckeyes. I don't know if that's if that's a thing, but it probably should be a thing after this week. It was uh, the drama against Minnesota and then Purdue and uh, Michigan. I I think that was probably the the roughest collapse for Ohio State in terms of just, I mean, Liddell the turnover at the end just inexplicable mistakes uh down the stretch to even give michigan a chance and ohio state pulled that one out but uh, not so fortunate today against illinois um yeah as far as the big 10 tournament is concerned i I think obviously we should probably start there since it it just finished up um i thought it was as you said a lot of the games were chalk this year uh you really didn't have i mean penn state i think was a little feisty as a, a double digit seed but even they, they only went one game, um, a, a lot of chalk results. And I think that's to be expected just given how strong the top half of the conference was, how strong the top couple of teams were. I mean, to, to have the semifinals on Saturday and have two top 10 matchups is absurd. I mean, that, that was like a final four level uh, slate. And that was in a conference tournament. Uh, let alone the the NCAA tournament. I mean, sometimes you don't see two games like that, you know, in the Final Four. So that was something special. And then you add that on top of on Sunday, you get the overtime game between Illinois and Ohio State. And then even going back to Friday's um, games, uh, the Michigan-Maryland one had a lot of drama off. I guess it was on the court, but Juwan Howard getting thrown out of the game. So that was kind of entertaining. And then Iowa-Wisconsin, which, you know, Wisconsin's top 15 on Ken Palm. I know everybody at this point's a little sus- suspicious of what Wisconsin's doing with, uh, with Ken Palm there. If maybe they're greasing some wheels or something to, to be that high. It, it seems a little, uh, a little ridiculous how high, highly ranked they are, but still a very good team. Uh, they matched up with Iowa in a really tight game, looked like they were going to win it. And then Iowa came back. So a lot, a lot of fun action this whole week, as you said, I, I think Illinois, they were certainly playing the best coming into the Big Ten tournament. There was the whole drama of, you know, who should have won the Big Ten, whether it was Michigan, Illinois, that whole thing for the regular season. But um, in terms of just momentum, power ranking, that type of thing, Illinois was playing the best. They ended up winning it. Um, certainly no surprise there. And I, I think they were worthy. They certainly looked the most impressive, I think, during the course of the, the week. So they move on. Um, any other thoughts? On the Big Ten tournament, anything like that before we jump here into the NCAA? I think um, the only thing I'll add is Ken Palm um, being a mathematical system for ranking teams, I think uh, tends to place a little bit too much efficiency in um, its metrics on teams like Virginia and Wisconsin, who statistically do a great job uh, just because they play a 
little bit of an eye-gougingly painful form of basketball to watch at times, but highly efficient at winning, uh, though also great at setting yourself up for a loss to UMBC in the first round as a one seed. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an efficient style of basketball, but it's, it's basically trestle ball on the hardwood and that can come back to bite you sometimes, but it's efficient wins a lot of games, but it's not pretty to watch. Yeah. I think the other team that, that seemed to fit into that category used to be Florida. Um, they play a little differently now, but yeah, it seems like Virginia, Wisconsin, Florida, always, always a little higher than they probably should be on Ken Palm. I'm sure those fan bases would disagree, but um, it is what it is. But um, the only other thing I was going to add as far as the big 10 tournament and the teams that are, shall we say over uh, for this year, um, I think all eyes will be on Minnesota and Indiana over the coming days, primarily because I think there will be some coaching changes coming there. Um, Minnesota, Richard Pitino, I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, after the game, but he, he was asked basically the question of, you know, are you coming back? Have they told you anything? And he seemed pretty resigned to the fact that it, it's over in Minnesota. Um, can't really blame him. I, I think at this point he's had his opportunity. It just didn't work out. He had some nice moments um, and it, it's probably time for a fresh face there. And then Indiana, the Archie Miller experiment has been a um, pretty un questionable failure at, at this point. I hate to be so blunt about it, but um, they have too much talent to be doing what they're doing the last couple of years. And I, I'm, I'm not saying they have the best roster in the big 10 as, as some people will, will make you believe because they don't, but they have, I mean, Jackson Davis is fantastic. Um, they got a couple of, of defensive guards there that are really nice, but their problem continues to be, they just, they don't have any shooters. They can't shoot from three. And I just, I don't understand how you can't, uh, you know, you look what, I mean, just use Michigan as an example. They go out and get Mike Smith. They had a big hole in their lineup with Xavier Simpson graduating. They go out, find a graduate transfer who can come in and contribute immediately. Easier said than done, but Indiana for the last two to three years have had this obvious glaring hole on the roster. And it's like Archie Miller's done nothing to, to fix it. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts to add on those two quick before we jump into the field, but um, I think we'll be seeing some new faces on the sideline uh, at both those places next year. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I'm also interested to see who Penn State ends up nailing down. I did see a report out that uh, yep. they had reached out to Thad Mata, who understandably pretty much just didn't really even bother with an overture on it. Um, and I mean, I, I legitimately believe that part part of the reason why he stepped down at Ohio State and why things lost steam at Ohio State were health issues, um, unlike a certain football coach that uh, retired for health reasons for a second time at Ohio State. Um, I, I think that they are legitimately an, an issue for him, and that's unfortunate because he did a fantastic job at Ohio State, and it'd be nice to see him uh, take a program like Penn State and maybe finally breathe some life into a, uh, a football school that hasn't really ever truly invested in basketball the way that they could, especially with the type of big $10 that we see now, minus obviously COVID's impact. But um, between Indiana and Minnesota, uh, I wonder which one, if either will uh, manage to land John Beeline, who I would imagine is somewhat near the top for at least a, a little bit of a temporary stint. So may, maybe you could give Indiana a little bit of a return to prominence as a, as a placeholder there for the next, uh, uh, oh God, why, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Bama's coach. Oates. Nate, Nate Oates. Oh, oh, Nate Oates. Okay. Yeah. And maybe Indiana could get beeline as a placeholder until the next Nate Oates comes along for, for Indiana. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just throw that out there and, and just mention that if Indiana, they're not calling John beeline right now, that's a, a huge mistake. I, I think he would be very capable. I think he'd be an outstanding fit. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what I think John Beeline has a lot of cards in his hands that that he can kind of pick and choose what he wants to do. So we'll see. But uh, we'll we'll talk about the teams that are still going moving forward. We won't waste any more time on the <laughs> the has been, shall we say, of, of this season, at least. Um, so let's jump into the NCAA tournament. Nine Big Ten teams make it two earn one seeds two earn two seeds. There's a couple in the middle and then you have. Um, Maryland and Michigan State at the at the tail end getting into the field um, by a little bit of the skin of their teeth. Um, 
overall thoughts here on the Big Ten in, in the field, in, in the seating, anything jump out, at least on uh, initial glance? Yeah, um, I, I think it is kind of interesting that Michigan State did get slotted with the play-in game. Um, I, I know that I say this is a little bit of a homer, um, that, and I acknowledge that, but I think that some of the teams that got in ahead of them on the seating lines are pretty clear, even if you're not a State fan, um, are, are a little bit of a head-scratcher um, in, in that regard. And it was kind of interesting. I, I think the uh, comment on... Uh, I think um, got the autoplay on a video or is that on my end? Uh, I'm sorry. That's on my end. I, I uh, had a tab. I'm sorry. Oh, I had a tab okay. open and I wasn't hearing was, any of it. Yeah. There, there was sound on my end and I was like, uh, <laughs> and to our um, listeners again, yeah. this is a live, a live recording. So forgive us a yeah. little bit. It's, it's crazy. It's election Sunday. Um, yeah. Just to jump off, not to cut you off, but, yeah, I think Michigan State should have made it in the round of 64. I don't think they should have had to play in the first four game. And I, I we should start with the fact that this is an unusual year. I know we we can go through the all the boilerplate. You know, this is a COVID season. There's no home court. Yeah, yeah. We, we all know that by now. But um, they don't have as much data as they usually have to go on. And specifically the non-conference stuff. And I know – people get a little bogged down on that, but those non-conference games are important for um, the strength of schedule. They're really important to show what you can do outside of conference play. Um, and I think that hurt certain teams. Michigan state is, is probably one. I know they did pretty good in non-con play, but they had their big non-conference win was Duke who kind of nosedived <laughs> after it. And that's not Michigan state's fault. It's just reality. So what normally Michigan state probably would have had what two, three other quality games. If this was a normal season where they probably would have a little bit more meat on the bone um, to get in here a few more wins as well. So I think that that hurt them this season, but to me, what they did the last month or so, I mean, they beat Illinois, they beat Ohio state, they uh, beat sweep Indiana, excuse me. And then they beat Michigan. That was really impressive. And you look through the teams at the tail end of the bracket and you ask yourself, could these teams have done that? And I, I think the obvious answer is no, they, they couldn't have. So to me, I just look at it at face value and I think, yeah, they, they probably should have been in above that. And the other, the other thing too, is like, did Michigan state have, have a lot of losses? Yeah. I mean, they did in terms of the overall record, they, finish 15 and 12, which is only three games above 500. Everybody can do the math. Um, but really, I mean, they lost at Northwestern on the road. They lost at Minnesota on the road. You look at the rest of this schedule, like, yeah, some of the scores weren't pretty. I mean, they got blown out by Michigan once. They got blown out by Iowa, that Rutgers debacle after they came off of the COVID pause. But yeah, And uh, if I can just add real quick, too, yeah, I think sure. that's one of the things that the tournament committee had as a huge challenge this year as well, in addition to the non-conference, not just for MSU, but for, um, you know, Illinois had an impact and they didn't even have COVID, but they had a more crammed in schedule down the stretch. You know, Michigan had a layoff. How many other programs across the rest of the NCAA had a layoff, Baylor included? You know, how, how do you weigh a team coming off of a, an extended layoff how do you weigh if they didn't necessarily play up to speed prior to that? How, mm -hmm. how do you weigh it, you know, in, in a case of, uh, of things like that? So I'm, that, that's another challenge by all means that they had uh, to face. And, and I mean, that's certainly not an enviable task, but yeah, every year there's some things to nitpick. And, and I, I, I'm not going to complain that MSU has its 23rd straight NCAA appearance as a playing game. So, you know, so, they, they made it. That's impressive enough. Sure. Sure. And before, before we move off of the Spartans here, um, they're going to face UCLA. They're in the first four game. Should they beat UCLA? They're going to move on and play BYU in the round of 64, um, which will be, I'm still trying to figure out this, this, Saturday thing is so weird to me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, maybe it's just me. I'm so used to Thursday, Friday that this is setting me off and I should it's know. Strange, I, yeah. I prefer the old, the old uh, version. Hopefully we get back to that next year. Um, but they're going to play on Thursday night against UCLA. They beat UCLA. They're going to play BYU on Saturday. So the, the quick two day turnaround as the first four teams usually get here. 
Um, do you suspect there may have been some ratings uh, thoughts from the committee? Um, I'll just put hot take over this uh, conspiracy theory, whatever you want, that the committee may or may not have been interested in putting that marquee MSU UCLA game on Thursday night to maybe draw a couple extra eyes on this. I mean, I, I think that that actually is a perfectly legitimate point um, to, to make. I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't want to necessarily belittle the committee or even make it sound like a conspiracy <laughs> because it, it's to a certain extent, it's not. The, the NCAA tournament is a business to a, to a degree. It, it's a sporting event, but it's also there to make money. It's how the NCAA pays all you know, what, 80% of their bills, probably roughly 60% at least. It's how they fund revenue sharing to a number of programs that desperately need it. It's a moneymaker. It funds so many different things across college athletics from the NCAA point. And so, you know, if you could jigger it around a little bit to make it a somewhat fair shake to have MSU UCLA, that's a game that's going to probably get more views than, you know, UCLA insert, I, I don't know, nobody, you know, St. Bonaventure or something. I, I don't so know. I, just to spin off of that. So the other first four games, same night. Uh, well, they're all on the same night, I guess, this year. Uh, again, I'm, this is still a learning process for us, obviously, as well. This is a bizarre season. Um, Wichita State is going to play Drake. And Drake is one of those classic mid-major teams who has an absurdly good record. They're fifth. 25 and four, which is really impressive, but almost all of their wins are against nobodies. Um, and that's part of the, the thing when you play in the Missouri Valley Conference, you're not going to play a lot of good teams. I would have liked to see Drake MSU or Drake UCLA, where you bring this team that did eh in a power five league and, you know, certainly Big Ten, really, really good this year. So Michigan State kind of got beat down against a, a tough schedule put them against this team that played the paper schedule, but looks really good. Um, to me, that that's intriguing. And this seems to be a consistent theme, not only for the NCAA um, in college basketball, but football too. I, I know we don't talk football here, but um, it, it really seems like they always have this thing where like, Oh, you're, you guys are the mid major team. So you get, you play together. Then we'll put the power five teams together over here. And it's like, I want to see that. I like when they mix up. Uh, you get to see the mid-major play against the power five. So um, I would have liked to see that, but yeah, I'm, I'll just put myself in the conspiracy train. I, I think this is a ratings decision. I think that's why they do it. Get everybody tuned in on Thursday night um, before the tournament really gets rolling in uh, MSU UCLA. It'll be a fun game. Should be interesting. Um, I, I think I kind of like MSU in that game, but uh, we will see. Anyway, anyway, so we spent a lot of time here on, on MSU. Let, let's talk a little bit about, let's start with the one seeds. So Illinois, Michigan, both land ones. Michigan won the Big Ten in the regular season. Illinois won the Big Ten tournament. Um, what do you think about their draws? Um, who do you think is playing better? Uh, theoretically, at least if you b believe the seeding for the um, committee, both of them should be favored to make the final four. They're both one seeds. Um, do you think they make it? Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, Illinois definitely has the advantage at this point uh, with Michigan having both a layoff and now Isaiah Livers probably out. Um, and I, I didn't really catch closely how uh, it was, um, the – I'm sorry. It's, it's been a long weekend. The uh, Michigan guy who injured his ankle Brooks, right? Oh, Brooks. Yeah. 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 Like yeah I, I didn't catch it. Brooks looked like he was playing full strength or not. Um, I honestly, I thought playing him at all was a little bit risky. I, I seemed like Michigan had the one seed locked up and it, I, I guess they did though. Maybe the win over Maryland made the difference to, to be safe, but I, I thought um, it would have been wiser to rest him and, and, save him up for the tournament. But um, anyway, I mean, that, that aside, you know, he played, um, given the injury issues to some of their uh, star guys, I, I think it's a little bit 
more difficult for Michigan, even with the one seed, in comparison to Illinois, who's got the Sunmu back and they're all playing extremely well. They've played without the Sunmu and won some big games. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of momentum and uh, confidence in that regard. And I mean, Michigan certainly has it as well. I just think Illinois has a little bit more of the edge as a result because of unfortunate issues such as livers, obviously. So uh, let me let me just start with the. Uh... So the word out of Michigan, as far as Brooks is concerned, is he was questionable uh, game time decision up until Friday when Michigan started against Maryland. And basically they said he was good to go. Um, So there really weren't any concerns about aggravating it or re-injuring it. Um, So that's why they played him. He looked fine. He was pretty productive um, in the two games Michigan played first against Maryland and then Ohio State. Um, He's expected to be good to go, fully available next week when they start. Um, livers I'm based on what I have heard and based on the uh, language of the press release and Michigan, it seems very skeptical. He's going to be back, uh, unless Michigan is in this tournament for a while. Um, so I'm, I'm just fully of the assumption livers is done. Uh, Michigan's going to be without him. Um, Illinois, on the other hand, as you said, I mean, talk about red hot. I mean, just blazing hot fire emojis over everything. I mean, what, what are they up to now? Like 14 out of 15 games, one, something like that. Uh, outside of that Michigan state loss in February, they haven't lost since January 16th, which is insane considering the schedule they've played. They've beaten Iowa twice. They've beaten Ohio state twice. They blew out Michigan on the road. They swept Wisconsin, um, beat Indiana on the road. I mean, just a crazy run. And to me, the difference has been um, the backcourt has come along outside of DeSomo. I know he's back now and he's been fantastic. I mean, he looks, he's the All-American that he is, but really I think the role players really brought it when he was out. And now that they have him in there, it's just like, it, it's so difficult to beat them. I, I'm looking at their bracket and what, about a week ago, I remember saying to a friend, Oklahoma State, I want no part of them. Keep them away. Uh, that team looks really good. Cade Cunningham is a monster. And to me, him versus DeSomu would be such a good matchup. That would be so fun to watch. So I'm, I'm really hoping we get to see that game. Um, Oklahoma State's the four seed, so they wouldn't play until the Sweet 16, theoretically. But that's the only team, if, to me, that scares me at all if I'm Illinois. And they don't even scare me that much because they're, they're a little hit or miss. They're more than capable of beating Illinois. I mean, they just knocked off Baylor a couple days ago. So we certainly have to acknowledge they're really, really good. But Oklahoma State's been inconsistent. Illinois, I don't want to call them unbeatable. Nobody's unbeatable in college basketball. Nobody's unbeatable in March. We know all the craziness. But to me, it's going to be really hard not to pick them to the Final Four. They just look so good right now. Um, Michigan, I don't really know what they are without livers. I think they're still pretty good. You saw them play without livers on Saturday against Ohio state, who is also, um, I mean, everything I just said about Illinois, Ohio state took them to overtime today, earlier today, a couple hours ago. So not, I know the transitive property is what it is. Sometimes it fits, sometimes it doesn't, but Michigan and Ohio state, it was a single possession game with a couple seconds to go. And if I think Illinois is that good, Michigan's certainly capable of, of beating a couple of teams here. Um, I think Michigan has a pretty decent route to get to the Sweet 16. After that, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical without livers. Frankly, I'm a little worried that they're not even going to make it to the Sweet 16 without livers. Um, we'll see. I mean, they have enough pieces to get through. Dickinson is probably one of the four or five best big men in the country, um, if not better than that. And they certainly have a great supporting cast. So, I could see Michigan making the sweet 16 and then livers pops back in and they return to form. Um, if, if this was fully healthy, Michigan, all cylinders activated, I, I would kind of feel almost the same about it as Illinois, where I, I feel like they'd have a pretty good route here to the final four, but um, otherwise a little skeptical. So uh, that's how I feel about the top seeds. Let's talk for a second about the twos. Um, Ohio state is the two seed in the South region. That's the region with Baylor. And then Iowa is the two seed with um, Gonzaga in the West. And we should note Michigan, they are the one seed in the East region with Alabama. And then Illinois is the one seed in the Midwest with Houston. So let's start with Iowa. 
They are in Gonzaga's region. They're the two seed. Obviously, they're going to have a pretty favorable first round matchup as the two. Um, what do you see out of Iowa and what do you see out of their path? I'm sorry. I think uh, Iowa definitely has a good shot to get to the second weekend by all means. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Gonzaga maybe might have a little bit of a challenge from a team like say Oklahoma, Missouri or something. Uh, I think if Virginia makes it to the sweet 16, it could probably spell for an upset just because of the conflicting styles there. Um, but I mean, if, if Gonzaga advances as far as uh, a matchup of, with Iowa and Iowa does the same, um, that I, I just don't see Iowa having enough to overcome uh, what, what happened the last time around. I, I'm not sure necessarily that'll finish quite the way that it will in the final minutes. Um, but I, I just don't see Iowa uh, unless Gonzaga, if they make it as far as Gonzaga, I don't see Gonzaga um, failing to, have the same result more or less of, of coming away with the win but uh, it's still also kind of tough I mean they do have Kansas in in their bracket uh potentially before that they've got Oregon probably as a second game I realize Oregon's only seven seed Pac-12 but I wouldn't necessarily want to play them if I if I could avoid it um same with Kansas as the three seed I don't think anybody else beyond that is really uh worrisome though I think the really bizarre thing about the West region is and i and i don't know if this has ever happened it, it probably has somebody will pull it up from like 1950 or something but gonzaga played the two seed they played the three seed and the four seed in the regular season in the region and they beat them all pretty easily so if i'm gonzaga uh, a gonzaga fan i'm thrilled <laughs> with this bracket like wow you're putting us against three teams we already beat pretty easily great um i i think as soon as I saw this bracket, I'm like, I feel completely confident Gonzaga is going to the final four. Um, I would book it right now. If you're a Gonzaga fan, I don't know how many tickets they're selling, but I, I would get that right now. Um, Iowa, I think Iowa has a really tough path for a two seed. As you said, Oregon as a seven, I would not want a piece of that. Iowa's a better team. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They are. They have a lot more pieces. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't, does Oregon have somebody who can who can stop um, Luca Garza? They have Amori, uh, a former uh, what Scarlet Knight, um, a couple years ago. So maybe we'll get a, a little bit of a reunion there, at least on the Big Ten front um, down low. But he's not going to stop Garza. Um, they're not they're not going to stop Iowa's offense. Oregon's defense seventy sixth on Ken Palm, um, but that that's still a tricky matchup. Oregon's offense can score. They can hang with it. So if, if they can make it a game, they're going to be in it. Um, yeah, I mean, and as I, you said, yeah. oh, go ahead. I, I mean, it, it's a one and done tournament style. You can never necessarily, you know, there, there's a reason we play the games. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, for example, you never know when a team is just going to go out there that has shooters and hit lights out unexpectedly. So, I mean, and that's unlikely, what yeah. And that's what Oregon does but, here. Yeah, they're, they're 19th in three point percentage. They're 90, they're top 100 in points. Um, percentage of points off of threes, which is pretty high for a power five productive team like this. So uh, yeah, this is a team that can go off. Not, not as off as Iowa. We all know Iowa's offense is, is pretty crazy, but that as your round of 32 game, and then you feed into potentially Kansas, potentially USC, who's very skilled and talented. Um, who knows? There's, there's one of those first four teams. It seems like every year, one of those first four teams makes a pretty decent run. Like sometimes the sweet 16, I know there was a final four team once. I want to say it was VCU um, 10 years ago or, or something at this point. Um, but putting that aside, I, I think there's a pretty tough draw for Iowa as a two seed. Um, you would expect things to be a little bit easier, but um, nothing, nothing's ever easy, of course, but uh, yeah, it's going to be challenging. So let's jump into the other, the other two seed here real quick, Ohio state, um, they're going to open up obviously with a, a pretty manageable game. And then the round of 32 game is against either Florida or Virginia tech. They are in the Baylor, Baylor region. Um, two other big 10 teams that are also in the same region are Purdue and Wisconsin, but they are on the top side of the bracket, um, with Baylor. What do you make of, of this for Ohio state? And then if you have any thoughts on Purdue and Wisconsin, who are also in the, the same area as well. 
Yeah, I think um, Ohio State, kind of like Iowa as a two seed, really got a tough draw, um, potentially, just in the sense of, I mean, they're winnable games to get there, but they're not necessarily easy. I mean, you're playing either for Florida or Virginia Tech. I'd rather avoid either if I'm them. Uh, both are highly beatable, but I just, you know, I, yeah, again, one and done style. And uh, most likely, probably, I, I'd say Texas Tech over Arkansas is more likely to make it to the Sweet 16. Really? Okay. But, I mean, e- either team, I maybe it's recency bias from the 2019 Final Four, but I mean, they, they just play a, a nasty style of defense. Um, that's just tough to see, uh, at, at least as I remember. I, uh, I haven't watched a ton of Tech this year, um, but I mean, they're, they're still – Still a scrappy team, I'm sure, um, similarly. So uh, I, I think either of those two teams, though, are probably who they're, the Buckeyes are going to face, and I'd rather avoid either of them if I could. So I see, I feel a little, uh, I feel on the opposite side of this one. So maybe this, maybe this will be a fun one to, to talk about. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll just put this out there on, on the record if, if people want to debate this. Okay. If you're a one seed or a two seed, you should just assume you're going to win. Uh, the first one. Um, it's possible. We've seen a one seed go down once. It's happened before. We've seen two go two seeds go down. It's usually once every 10 years, something like that. Um, it's very rare. It's possible. But I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit here and discuss it as if it's something that's very likely to happen or uh, there's any realistic chance. So I'm penciling Ohio State to move on. I'm penciling Iowa to move on. So I'm just only talking about round of 32. If you're a three seed or lower, we need to talk about it a little bit more, but one and twos, like it's just, it's too low of a probability for us to seriously discuss it. Again, can happen. It's just, but it's a waste of time. So Ohio state, they're going to move on. Then they're going to get Florida or Virginia tech, Florida to me, pretty underwhelming Virginia tech. They're 50th on Ken Palm. I know. Ken Palm's hit or miss, but Indiana's above them. And if you told me Ohio State was playing Indiana, I'd be like, yeah, Ohio State's probably winning that game. So I'm I'm not really scared of those two teams. However, unlike Iowa, like Iowa, I really don't like the round of 32 game. Their potential sweet 16, like Kansas, eh, I, I think Iowa would win that game. USC, they're a little trickier to me. I think they're a little longer, a little more athletic in my view. Um, I feel the opposite for Ohio State, though. I feel like the round of 32, pretty manageable. Sweet 16, though. Arkansas, I think, is really good. Um, I think they're going to make it there. But as you said, Texas Tech has, you know, the likely other option if Arkansas doesn't advance. Um, they're, they're tough. I mean, they were in the Final Four a, a couple years back, went to the title game. I think that they lost in overtime to Virginia, uh, that great Cavalier team. So I – I think either of those games look really, really tough. And if you told me I could play Kansas or USC or Arkansas or Texas Tech, I would take Kansas or USC. So I, I think that is really tough. Um, Iowa also, as well, I think has the tougher Elite Eight game, at least on paper. Again, obviously, we're advancing a couple of rounds here, but Gonzaga is is going to be brutal uh, versus Baylor, who has shown some flaws. Gonzaga still undefeated, uh, <laughs> hasn't even really been challenged that much this year. So, um, I don't, I, I like Ohio state's draw. I, I think the sweet 16 is, is pretty likely. Um, after that, it's going to be pretty tough. I, I don't like that, um, sweet 16 matchup against Arkansas or Texas tech. Arkansas is the three seed. So they're the most likely to get there at least on paper, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and then in the top half of the bracket, as I mentioned, Purdue is the four seed. Wisconsin's the nine. Wisconsin opens with UNC. Uh, yes, North Carolina. They're an eight seed this year. Um, whoever wins that game will play Baylor, one seed Baylor. And then in the lower next pod down in the south, it's Purdue, uh, who will open with, I believe it's North Texas. And then they will play. Unfortunately, my bracket only has abbreviations, so I... Uh, Mine, yeah, North Texas, and then they will, uh, if they win there, then they'll most likely play Villanova in the second round. So any thoughts on Purdue? Any thoughts on Wisconsin? Yeah, I, I picked both of them to advance to the second round, uh, but I don't think um, either one is going to, I think obviously the 
popular pick is probably Purdue to face Villanova, even with Villanova's injury issues. I, I don't think Purdue's necessarily going to advance further than that. Um, if they do, it's because Travion Williams is a man beast who will uh, basically just eat children um, metaphorically to get past them in spectacular fashion, um, single-handedly, basically. Uh, and, and for Wisconsin, I, I think that they have what it takes to beat North Carolina, um, but I don't think that they have a remote chance against Baylor. Um, they, they haven't really won any truly top matchup the entire season, um, arguably. I mean, they, they've beaten the teams that they should. They've lost the games that they should, more or less, and they haven't really uh, won any true toss-up opponent, arguably. Um, they, maybe a little bit glossing over some of the more nuanced points of their resume from the season, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they can get past North Carolina, though. North Carolina is a little bit of – like the ACC this year, that they're a little bit of a weaker team, and I think that they'll uh, pretty easily get past North Carolina, fall to Baylor. So, Purdue, Purdue to me is a is a hard team to read. Both of these teams generally, I think, are a little hard to read. Wisconsin a little easier to me than Purdue. The thing about Purdue is like both, like their advanced stat profile is great. Purdue's thirteenth. Um, they're one spot behind Villanova, that potential round of thirty two matchup, and Purdue. Over the last what two two months, they have basically one bad game where they lost at Minnesota. Really, the only thing Minnesota's done over the last two months of the season. Um, but otherwise, they beat who they're supposed to beat. They beat most of them by by double digits. You know, they beat Penn State pretty easily. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Indiana. They're beating these teams, but they just they didn't beat Michigan. They beat, didn't beat Ohio State. So they're clearly a step behind that that top tier but they also beat Ohio State twice in the regular season they lost to them in the Big Ten tournament which that to me is the difference between them and Wisconsin Wisconsin to me has shown no ability to beat the elite teams uh the top of the top which is why it's so bizarre as, as we talked about earlier that they're 10th on Ken Palm despite really being incapable of of beating those top teams and and I don't think they can um I probably will eat those words, you know, knowing how the tournament works here shortly, but I'm, I'm just extremely skeptical that Wisconsin can beat a, an elite opponent. I think they can beat solid teams. I think they can beat up um, on the bottom teams, but they just haven't shown it to me on, on the elite teams. Purdue. I don't know. They might, they have shown some ability to do that. I like Purdue here in the first game um, against North Texas. I kind of like them against Villanova too. Um, Wisconsin, I, I like UNC better. I, I think North Carolina is going to beat them. I think North Carolina has shown some momentum here down the stretch. Um, they knocked off Virginia Tech. They knocked off Notre Dame in the ACC tournament. Played Florida State really tough before they fell short right at the end. Um, I think they've shown a, a little fight here. But one, one little uh, note that I wanted to add here as we're talking about the South region. So Baylor is the one seed. I want you to imagine you're a Baylor fan here for a second and you get the bracket you've had the you know the the season of your dreams you're 22 and 2 yes you've had a couple rough losses the last couple of weeks but generally an incredible season and you look at Ken Palm and you say oh who's going to be our round of 32 matchup because you know we we're playing a, a 16 seed game one we're going to win that oh we get Wisconsin who's 10th on Ken Palm as a round of 32 opponent uh Man, like the, the two fan bases that I think should just be so frustrated about that. I know this kind of con contradicts what I just said about Wisconsin beating the top teams, but if you're a Baylor fan, you I don't think you've looked into it that much yet. Uh, but Baylor, a one seed, potentially playing a top 10 opponent week, the first weekend. And then BYU, can you imagine they're a six seed? They're going to get a first four team potentially getting Michigan state who's knocked off three top 10 teams in the last two, three weeks. And Tom Izzo um, talk about tough draws. Yeah. I, I mean, just <laughs> at, at least you're in the NCAA tournament, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just like, yeah, I mean that, that's the best work, I got for them. <laughs> you work the whole season and then the committee dumps this on you. Like, man, what th this feels like it's not as bad as this, but, 
you remember four or five years ago when Wichita State kept doing that thing where like they'd win every game, they might lose one, but they just didn't play anybody. So the committee would have no choice but to seat them in as like an 11, a 12. And these coaches that would have to play them, they'd be like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're an underdog and we're the, you know, the sixth seed playing 11 here. This is insane. Um, so I had to, I had to throw that out there, but um, so I think, Oh, one other team who we shouldn't forget here in the big 10, that's Rutgers. They broke the 30 year drought. They're in the tournament. Congratulations. Um, first in my lifetime uh, that I'll get to watch Rutgers in the tournament. So congratulations. It's been quite a ride. And Obviously, they're a 10 seed coming in here. Um, they're not going to be projected to to do a whole lot here um, over the next couple of weeks, certainly. Maybe they will. Who knows? They're they're a tough team. But I think we should certainly give props to Steve Peichel, who turned around maybe the worst spot in college hoops, uh, certainly the Power Five. Uh, yeah, I, I, excuse me. Uh, I meant the Power Five. Um, and it's turned it into an NCAA team in what should have been the second straight NCAA tournament. So props to them. Congratulations. They're going to play Clemson here on um, Friday to open things up. Um, any thoughts on where Rutgers landed? Yeah, I honestly, I, I'm really, I'm incredibly happy and ecstatic that they're ecstatic that their streak is over of, or uh, their drought rather, I, I should say. I'm, I'm happy that their drought's over, but man, I, I, I did not want Clemson if I were them. Um, I mean, they, I don't know. Looking at the other teams, I mean, I obviously you have to get the better seating for some of the other ones, but uh, you face Clemson, even if you win them, you probably then have Houston. Like, that's just – it's a one-two punch right from the, the get-go there um, that I'm not sure you can really look at the bracket for any other Big Ten team and, and really say, like, wow, that sucks – uh, or you know what wow that that's a nice seating I, I think they're the the one team that you look at and it's like you just got the worst draw period in the, the first two rounds back to back on on that um I think everybody else you can kind of look at it and be like yeah you know tough but not terrible mm-hmm. um I mean Maryland's a close second I, I suppose to be fair um when, when you've got UConn and then Bama um but I think Maryland UConn is is better than Clemson Rutgers and and then you got Houston in the sec round of 32 if you do manage to win the first one so I it's awesome that they they ended the drought but I wish they could have gotten just a little bit easier of a of a path to a, a win too um, at least from the get-go so Maryland's another team we haven't talked about much uh, yet today so we should throw them in there they're they're going to start with UConn as you mentioned Maryland is also a 10 seed um, they are going to open up with UConn. If they win, they will likely play two-seed Alabama in, in the second game. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about the teams who we think are overrated on Ken Palm. You know, Wisconsin's usually a little bit higher than they probably should be. Um, Virginia. Clemson, I think, is a little underrated. Um, they're 42nd on Ken Palm, but they, they seem just tougher than that. They beat Alabama earlier in the year. They beat Purdue earlier in the year they've knocked off florida state they knocked off louisville they have a pretty good resume which kind of makes me curious i know they're coming off a loss to miami in the acc tournament which was a horrendous loss there's there's no denying that but i like clemson as you as you said i i agree i think they're a pretty tough team here um really good defense this is going to be a grinded out game it's going to be low scoring it's going to be ugly, which is how Rutgers likes it. So maybe that's an advantage here. Um, Ken Palm actually has the Scarlet Knights narrowly favored. Um, 63-61 is the final score that he's projecting. Um, but I, I think it's going to be tough. And as you said, it whether they beat Clemson or not, it's probably going to end against Houston. But overall, I, I think this is a positive step for the program, certainly moving in the right direction. And, and having that NCAA tournament appearance is going to go a long way on the recruiting trail to building uh, moving forward, but it's going to be a tough game. Um, we'll see what the Scarlet Knights can do. As far as Maryland, I like them. I think they're going to beat UConn. Um, UConn is, at least on paper, you know, I mentioned, so it's kind of the same seating situations here. Um, 
they're both the seven ten games uh, that they're in Rutgers and Maryland. Um, but uh, UConn is, is what 16th on Ken Palm Clemson's 42nd. So pretty, pretty divergent gap there. Um, but I, I like Maryland in that game. I think the Terps are, are a pretty tough team. Um, they've shown some inconsistency. Uh, you know, they lost to Northwestern Penn state to close the regular season, but they rebounded against Michigan state. I, I like, I like them. And again, it, it's kind of projected the same way per Ken Palm. Maryland's the underdog against UConn, but the two point margin, pretty, pretty even. Um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be that amazed if, if Maryland took out Alabama as well. And Alabama, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there too. I don't know if people have looked into this much, but um, they're facing a pretty good coach in, in the first round. Ionia, uh, who's coached by Rick Pitino, who people may have heard of before. I, I know it's, it's not his usual Louisville, Kentucky roster here, but uh, pretty successful coach who, who they're going to play in the first round. So Alabama might be a little vulnerable there. We'll see. Nate Oates is a great coach. Alabama's certainly a, a good team this year, but um, I, I like Maryland to advance further there. Um, we'll see. But so I think we've talked about everybody uh, at, at least a little bit. Any other thoughts here on the, the tournament as a whole, uh, the big 10, anything else? I mean, I, after last year, I'm just happy we had March Madness. Uh, not, not to say the cliche, but I mean, we get March Madness this year. What complaints are there to have compared to last year? So things are looking up. Yes. Yes. It, it should be said. Um, and it, it, it's very nice. I, I agree. Um, very, very excited um, that we're finally going to get games again um about time about time um one thing uh i should mention too before we go bt powerhouse does have a bracket pool bracket contest you can join uh see if you can beat our writing staff um i should note i think i've won it the last four four or five years so uh we'll see if anybody can beat me but who knows um maybe this is the year i i get taken down um it's on the, the main website. Uh, it's on ESPN. We're using ESPN's bracket pool. So you can go in there, search BT Powerhouse. Uh, I mean, if you search Big Ten, it might come up. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, definitely check that out. Um, otherwise, follow us on Twitter. Um, before we go, Kevin, any final thoughts? Uh, I know we're happy to have March Madness back, but um, anything else you want to mention here? Yeah, I think um, one thing, too, on, on that note as well, similarly, uh, it will be interesting to see if Kansas or Virginia, for example, do still end up uh, making the NCAA tournament. There's a little bit of a question based on uh, COVID-19 issues this past week. Uh, they have until Tuesday to find out, and if so, um, if they aren't able to join, they will be bringing up NIT teams, which throws a little bit of an interesting twist to uh, their respective brackets. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be an intriguing slate of games for all the big 10 teams and, uh, nine teams with two, one seeds and two, two seeds all from the same conference. That's, um, it's a rare error. Uh, so definitely, uh, definitely something for big 10 fans to gloat on in a way that we won't gloat because we're not the sec in football. But still. So, yeah. So uh, a couple of things I, I was going to end on the, the fact that, you know, this is, this has probably been the greatest year of big 10 basketball. Um, certainly in my memory, uh, and maybe some of the old timers, you know, can remember uh, the 76 season. I don't know. Um, but the league has been ridiculously good. It's so deep. I mean, it almost, I, I feel like Wisconsin who I know we've, we've ripped on a little bit here uh, this evening, but, I feel like this Wisconsin team is basically the same team that won the big 10 last year, but the big 10 is just so much better this year that they're just getting beat down because of the competition. And it, it's been so good that it really feels like this has to be the year that the big 10 ends the drought and wins the national title. Um, and it, it would, it would be so big 10 though, that they end up with like three teams in the final four, two teams, something like that. And then Gonzaga wins it all. Uh, just the, the undefeated team. You just happen to have that year where you ran into one of those uh, behemoth teams. So 
this really does feel like the year. If the Big Ten's going to do it, this is the best opportunity. I mean, you have two one seeds, you got two two seeds, and they're all in different regions. So, I mean, it 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 all. I can't call it a lock, but it seems like a lock. The Big Ten's getting at least one Final Four team. I mean, it, it just seems like it. Um, so that I, I that put was my the, money on the the three in Gonzaga scenario personally. It, it seems the it most fitting. Yeah. It seems the most fitting that, you know, three big 10 teams, they make the title game, get it to overtime or something, lose on a crushing call, you know, something like that would seem very big. Ten. Um, but uh, so that, that was the first thing I, I wanted to say. So this should be a really exciting March madness. I know things are weird um, with COVID and, and everything in Indy and these weird locations, but I, I think it's going to be really exciting. And then the other thing I was going to add on is just to follow up with what you said, which is the COVID testing, uh, from my understanding, is they're going to be on lockdown upon lockdown upon lockdown. This is going to be super tight. They're basically going to sit in hotels and play basketball for the next month, which there are a lot of bigger questions about college sports and pay and amateurism and all that, which we're not going to get into here tonight. But my understanding is that's how it's going to work. So it, it's going to be as safe as they can possibly make it um, because they really do not want games canceled here in the tournament. It would be devastating for a lot of reasons, but that is going to be the big elephant in the room is you cannot test positive because there are, there's no time to make up these games. I mean, you're talking about like Michigan state, they're going to play this Thursday and then they're going to play Saturday. If they win, that is way too quick of a turnaround. Um, to test positive and think you can reschedule it, things like that. That, to my understanding, that's not on the table. So as you said, uh, they have these replacement teams in the NIT, but I don't think they get to do that option once they get past the first round. I mean, you no. can't just advance somebody to you know the round of 32 or Sweet 16 or something. So we'll see, but there there may be a scenario where somebody gets a they just get to skip a round because of of something like this. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, you know, knock on wood that we don't have any cancellations and nobody tests positive, but um, there are a lot of teams. There are, there are a lot of players on those teams. Um, we'll see. Hopefully people make good decisions here over the coming days and, and everybody stays safe, but yeah, that, those are going to be the big things to watch. Um, otherwise uh, make sure to check out Kevin's stuff. Uh, it's got, he'll have plenty here on BT powerhouse over the coming uh, days and weeks. Um, I'm Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at T Bendit. Otherwise, uh, keep following us. Check out the BT Powerhouse page. Jump in our bracket group. And uh, we'll see you all next time.